Wow. First and foremost, thank you so much for being here today. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm so grateful to, you know, just see you finally after talking to you for so long on Clubhouse. <laughs> right. We've heard each other's voices, but we've never seen each other live. So this is fantastic. This is a great way to move forward. Exactly. <laughs> it's a pleasure having you here. Welcome to the Playroom. This is an exclusive center where we talk about everything to do with entrepreneurship, lifestyle, society. We go into some hot topics and now we're going to be talking about personal branding and I love your story on how you've built your personal brand to where it is today. So it would be great for people to know you, who you are, and just give us a little insight before we go into it. Sure. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Favor. This sounds so exciting. 200 episodes. Yeah. Wow, you've really got a long-lasting podcast here. Thank you. Um, so, <laughs> so my name's Lavinia. And I am here uh, in Berlin, Germany, uh, which doesn't seem to matter anymore in the world. Everyone's attending from everywhere. So I'm originally from, can you see the two flags? And it's the ones of you who can see. This is the country I come from. I come from a country called Singapore. It's a tiny little island. Um, with And one, one, one year I got asked what does Singapore do? And I was trying to work out what we produced. And my answer was banks. We have banks. We have many, many banks. That's oh. pretty much what we do. So that's... <laughs> you know in Botswana and this and this guide he asked me so Singapore I've never heard of it so what do you produce and I'm thinking hmm, how do I answer this question and so Banks was my answer he's like you have no chickens no goats no nothing I'm like no we have nothing nothing we have Banks Oh, I'm sure the poor man was going to go home and give me a care package. You know, I come from a country with no 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 agriculture or no animals. So he's like, poor thing. All they have is banks. Right. <laughs> so uh, so I'm from I'm from Singapore, and I live in Germany because my husband's a German diplomat, and we move around the world a lot. So um, my husband and I we trek our five children. Yes, yes, you had that right. We have five children together. And um, we trek our five children around the world. Now we only have one left in the house that treks with us. Uh, they're all grown now. So we just have one left to trek around the world. And yes, yeah, so that's what we do. Um, I am a, a, I'm a professional speaker on change. So I talk to people about how they can manage the emotional aspects of change. I have an idea of how that works in my own life, especially as a diplomatic family. We change a lot all the time. So we know what it's like um and so I, I talk about navigating change and um i'm originally re really way back when i went to school to be a lawyer but i never did that properly so i had a long career in branding and communications which comes to the second part of what i do which is personal branding and i wrote a book wait wait if i move if i move for the people who can see us i don't know if they can see this is my book it's called unleash your voice powerful public speaking for every woman nice and so i was yeah so i was very keen to help other women be better at public speaking and i rallied together with my a good friend joanne flynn and we found 14 women who were also public speakers and we got them all to write about their advice to women to be better at putting their ideas out into the world articulating their ideas so that it could it could create change so that's what we did with that and then while I was writing about all this on LinkedIn, LinkedIn took notice of who I was and what I was writing about. And then last year they named me a LinkedIn top voice. 
a LinkedIn top voice is someone who is named by LinkedIn and they only name a handful of people every year um, who are using their platform in the way they intend and then as, as influencers on their platform, if you will. And the final thing that I do is I work a lot on ensuring girls and women have a voice and that we have a much more equal future. So those are the three big things that I do. Wow. I love what you said about being a handful <laughs> because when <laughs> when you think about that word top voice you don't get that word every time i think you're the first person i know that actually and and heard that word come from you know i've never heard that even talked about on linkedin so to speak so how does someone even get that did you know about that prior to getting that title or it just happened well, honestly, I had no idea what a top voice was. Okay. I didn't know anything about it. And apparently it's been run for like half a dozen years or so. Oh. And uh, some people have been named top voices over and over again. And then they have these like, global top voices, people like Melinda Gates, who are in this like super top voice category. Um, but essentially, um, LinkedIn, unlike other social platforms, has human editors and human content creators that are from LinkedIn, that put out content, that uh, go out into the LinkedIn universe and engage with people. And then they take notice of people who have very distinctive voices, people who are consistent in any number of areas. And they um, then they start engaging with you. So I only noticed that I guess I had started to get their attention, I don't know, maybe um, around International Women's Day, maybe just after, okay. when I started to notice one or two LinkedIn um, editors were starting to follow me, comment on my on my work. And, uh, and I was very consistent with what I was posting, especially since the pandemic had hit. Honestly, I started writing more because I was suddenly uh, faced with having no more speaking gigs. So how I make my money is when companies or conferences hire me to speak on their stages. And after March last year, there were no stages. There was nothing happening. And this world, this, this virtual world wasn't established yet. It was kind of just in its infancy. You know, some people had it and some people didn't. And so all my speaking gigs kind of canceled. Um, I was in the middle of a move. We were supposed to move from Singapore to Germany in that July. So I had that going for me, but uh, basically everything shut down. So uh, writing was my outlet and I started publishing more and more. So it kind of all just one flowed into the other. I don't think you can, you can like say you want to be a LinkedIn top voice um, and, and, and achieve it as a goal. I don't think it's one of those things you can. What you can do is have a voice on the platform. And if you really establish your voice, then I think they come to you. I love that. And when it comes to voice, is that voice explained when you do articles or when you actually are active or commenting? How do they, like, what's the metric between that, okay. that, that standing? So I don't work for LinkedIn, so I cannot tell you what that would be. I okay. can guess and I can give you a good educated guess okay, okay. as to what that is. So I think it helps if you write long form content. So if you write articles, this helps because LinkedIn is the only social platform that encourages long form written content. There's no other social platform essentially that encourages this. Um, maybe Medium does, but Medium doesn't have the same um, visibility. Right. Um, so LinkedIn really does encourage long form content. So, and the good thing about LinkedIn content, and you're the guy who would know this, uh, LinkedIn articles get indexed. 
so you can be found with your articles if you write them on LinkedIn. And you only need a handful, maybe two or three on your, your big area of expertise. You could, you could put them in there and then they, you could be found with them. And much better than you could be found with the same article on your blog or your website. This is a really good way to get some, um, some weight behind your thoughts. If you want to be a thought leader on LinkedIn, articles are a really good way to go. You don't have to write them every week or anything like that. Um, you will get much more engagement on a post than you will on an article. The article is there really to give you some weight. You know, it gives you some weight if you're there for the long haul and you're there to really establish your name and to, and to show your voice, then, then that's a great way to do it. I recommend um, people, especially if you thought leadership is your goal on LinkedIn, to put out um, over the course of, let's say, three months, put out one article per month. That's all you need to do um, in your space, the, using the words that you would want to be found for um, and pop them in there. And then you'd be surprised. I get a lot of requests to speak because of my articles. So I do encourage articles, but the people that I know that are top voices are not necessarily only writing articles. So the other thing you want to be doing is engaging with other people's posts. And because LinkedIn views itself as a content creator as well as a content curator, you want to make sure you're engaging with LinkedIn's content. Now, I didn't know this at the time, but um, I think that, that might have helped me. So I follow LinkedIn News and LinkedIn News exists in a number of markets. There's LinkedIn News, LinkedIn News Asia, LinkedIn News India. Um, I'm here in Germany for the German speaking area. There's LinkedIn News Dach. Um, so there's different LinkedIn News in different, not all areas, like there's no LinkedIn News for Africa, for instance, but there, there, there are for many parts of the world. Um, go ahead and follow um, LinkedIn News and see what they consider news. What is the trending topic that they are covering? and look out for the hashtags that they're using when they are covering this news. If they are covering something, and for instance, if they wanna highlight, let's say to, um, it's tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, so the 19th of August is, I think, um, World Photography Day. I think, I can't remember, but I think it is. So I'm gonna guess that LinkedIn will have a post about well, hashtag World Photography Day. So if you post something on their, so you post a comment on their, on their post, and then you go ahead and write a post with well, Photography Day, you're more likely to get noticed um, than if you don't. Mm. And so it helps to know what is currently trending and to um, and to use the social um, the social part of social media here, so comment on other people and engage with other people's content. That's amazing. Thanks for clarifying that because I started thinking about things to do that can be done when you start thinking about how to engage for example like when you mentioned with articles if it's once a month and your subject matter is this particular article and you're writing posts you're grading polls you're maybe going live on linkedin and then somebody asks you a very specific question and the answer is in the article and then you leave the comment with the article link for the person how does that engage with your content when it comes to being a leader in that kind of frame and there's a second question i'll come to after this okay so hmm. it it shows that you have the answers or at least you have some of the answers or at least you can showcase your version of the answers um so you you know look i'm not a video person so um, I don't know anything about video, but I do know a lot about doing this, like having meetings online. So in January or February this year, I noticed a lot of people were just 
framing themselves so badly just with their existing equipment, right? Just with their basic equipment that they could improve themselves. So I wrote an article about how you can five things to change your to change up your uh, your virtual presence on a meeting so that you can sound and look better. And uh, this is not my specialty, nowhere near my specialty, but, and I'm not even a video person, so I can't give that technical advice, but I have been learning from DJs and various other people that I know about what you can do and what equipment works for you. So I have with zero technical knowledge, I wrote an article to help the average executive how do you just look better how do you set yourself up to look better for instance for those of you who can see us i'm actually in a very very tiny corner of a very tiny room and uh, a very old building in berlin so this is called the altbau it is a it is a classic building it was pre well pre-war it's hundreds of years old my building and it's it's a beautiful it's got beautiful structures but the rooms are odd so i don't have a fancy cellar that i can convert into a studio but what i've done is just take a very small section and turn it into something that works for me and i wanted to show that so i wrote this article and honestly most of my corporate clients they have all these executives sitting at home and they were sending my article out they were like can we share this can we share this and my article has been seen by so many people off linkedin not just on linkedin even though i only published it there because it was useful so that's the thing you're trying to be. You're not always trying to sell, look at me, look at me. Um, this is what I can do, this is what I know. You're trying to be useful with what you know. You're trying to be useful and helpful in a way that your clients start looking to you as, um, as an expert. And you, don't, um, and you don't always have to be focused on that one thing that you do very well. It can be anything that serves your client. That's beautiful. It clarifies the fact that with those articles, you stand a chance to reach a lot more people because you have more authority in your speech and your text. That's what I'm getting. And I love that because, yeah, because I'm now seeing that translate into like personal articles versus company articles on LinkedIn. And I'm wondering which one does better and why. So I think it really depends on your content and what you're going to do. So if you're a solopreneur like me, um, my company page is, is, is a shell, essentially. My company page uh, is there for people to research my company to ensure that I'm a real entity. But in my case, uh, my company page is just there as... Um, a scaffolding, if you like. The the real meat is in my own personal profile. And I think it depends from person to person. So I've worked with very large companies where uh, the where the company page was really important because a lot of the people that were writing the articles in the company page didn't have a personal profile on LinkedIn. So in that case, your company page can be fantastic. Uh, I've also worked for a university where you get a lot of academic articles. And so getting academics to condense some of their thinking into a LinkedIn article can be hard to do. But if you did that, then it also adds to the weight of the company page. So personal will always do better in terms of uh, engagement. So your numbers will be a lot better always from your personal profile, but you shouldn't um, not pay attention to your company page. LinkedIn has a lot of domain authority. So people, not just for a search, but just in people's minds. Um, if I read something on LinkedIn, I'm more likely to believe it to be true and to have authority.
authority than if I read the exact same thing on, let's say, Instagram or Facebook. It has a lot of weight attached to it. Whether that's justified or not, I, I can't say, but it certainly has a lot more weight to it. So um, I think it really depends on your personal situation and how you and the company are balanced. But personal, uh, in, in terms of personal branding, do it on your personal page. It will have a better reach. Um, and you can always have the company page share it um, from theirs as well. That's beautiful. Thanks for saying that because now I'm thinking, okay, test, 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 test. Because if you don't test, you will know the result. And that's the beauty of the process. So I know LinkedIn is really great with all these amazing things. I just got access to LinkedIn Live not too long ago after like probably six years. <laughs> so it was like, I don't know when I'm ever going to get access. But I think because I started being intentional about showing up and not just adding followers to my account, it just made it better for them to realize that, okay, this person actually cares about the community and that's why you show up and that's how they show you your content to people who probably have not seen you. And just like you've said, it helps with the growth process. And now I'm even thinking with LinkedIn as a brand, some people have the premium and some people don't. Is there a need to have the premium? And if there's no need to have the premium, how can you still stand out without the premium? You don't need the premium to stand out. I have a premium account, um, but I'll tell you why I have a premium account. And it's not really the reason everyone else has a premium account. I actually love LinkedIn Learning. If you've never seen it before, LinkedIn Learning is um, is like Coursera or Udemy, but better. Um, so LinkedIn Learning has a, has a library of fantastic instructors teaching almost everything. If you want to learn how to, um, how to use Excel to um, public speaking, to change management, um, anything, right? They, they, have, they have fantastic instructors on a whole range of topics. And if you are younger, especially if you're earlier in your career and you don't have proof of, um, of having some of the skills that are being demanded by the jobs that you're going for, if you do the, the, the courses on LinkedIn, you can, when you finish the course, you can add that certificate to your profile for, for future employers, right? To see that you have the skill so that even though you may not have had experience with it in a job, you have it as a certificate from LinkedIn. So I use, I don't, I've never put a certificate on from LinkedIn Learning, but I don't need that, but I'm there to learn. And I love this. I love the, the courses they have on LinkedIn Learning. Um, so I, I actually subscribe to premium for LinkedIn Learning. The other thing premium gives you is it gives you a lot more analytics. So if you're a data person, then LinkedIn uh, premium is worth it. It allows you to track more analytics. It gives you slightly better search functions, uh, but you have pretty good search functions even without premium. But if you really wanted to drill down more, then definitely premium helps the, the, the search uh, parameters on, on premium are better um, and you get email so you get email credits so you can um, email people from the LinkedIn app um, even people who are outside your network um, you have a certain number of credits every month I must admit I so rarely use my credits I don't even know, maybe 50, I don't know how many credits you get. Um, you can have a look at that, but you get a number of um, in-mail credits, which allows you to then email people outside your immediate network. So those are the main benefits of premium. You can establish a perfectly good um, brand on LinkedIn without premium. 
absolutely no problem. I would start doing the work on my profile and starting engaging before I paid for premium. It's my advice. Okay. Because now that you've mentioned premium, I'm thinking about Shield because I got to hear about Shield one time and then I heard you talk about it and I was like, wait, okay, is this a good platform to be on? Is it needed? Because if premium is available, then why do I need to have Shield? So tell me more about those two and if there are any pros and cons to them. So I don't use any external um, tools on LinkedIn. Um, I am of the view that my LinkedIn account is worth way too much to me to risk anything. LinkedIn doesn't like automation on their platform. So there is a list of um, approved apps, um, third-party apps that you can use with your LinkedIn and Shield, I think is one of them. I am not one to use anything like that. I post native onto LinkedIn every single time. Like I said, my account is worth too much to, to risk um, breaching their terms of use. So, um, and I don't use Shield. I know a lot of LinkedIn influencers and experts use Shield for better analytics. You do get a slightly higher level of analytics, but I find I get enough from premium. I get enough that I, I'm not reporting to anyone. I'm just using it to gauge what works and what doesn't for my audience and which part of my audience base I need to grow and which part of my audience base is kind of um, sort of just dragging my whole profile down. So I, I'm just using it for that. And for that, Premium does the job perfectly well. There are three tools as far as I can tell that people who are staying on the right side of LinkedIn's rules are using. One is Inlytics, uh, second is Shield, and the third, of course, which is the one I use, is LinkedIn Premium. So aside from those three, I wouldn't dare use anything else. I know a lot of people use some automation on LinkedIn. I, I certainly don't recommend it. It's it's against the terms of use, so don't don't play with that. Okay. Yeah, guys, don't play with that. As you're listening, make sure that it's not something to play with at all. I know we're in the We Don't Play Station, but yeah, this is something you have to take full attention of because if your account is suspended, the worst thing is to start a LinkedIn account from scratch. And that's that's your authority going down. You know, you don't want to have that either. Right, exactly. And now LinkedIn actually has a limit to the number of people you can connect with each month. Each oh. week, I think it's 100 people you can reach out to before they put you, they suspend your account. They don't they don't throw you out, but they suspend your account once you're just randomly connecting to people. But your credits go back in, so every person who accepts, you get that credit back. So if you're connecting with people, please connect with them with some sort of, um, give them some context and relevance for why you are reaching out to them. If you're super famous, I mean, if really your headline says, you know, whatever, um, if, if your name is Richard Van Branson, then you click connect, everyone will say, yes, please. But if, if your name is not Richard Branson, <laughs> then maybe you wanna explain to people why you wanna connect to them. Yeah. Um, I do sometimes just click connect. Um, primarily because I think that person's just going to accept. They're going to recognize my name and just say accept. Right. Uh, but most of the time, I will remind them. Oh, I heard you on Clubhouse. We, you know, thank you for your question on Clubhouse. Or, um, oh, it was great to see you at that uh, at that webinar. I saw that you asked some great questions, and I would love to connect with you if you're open to it. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to be ultra formal. I suggest you write it the same way as you would if you were reaching out to someone after you've met them at an event. Just the yeah. same way, you know. Uh, it was great to meet you at tonight's uh, tonight's cocktail, and I just thought 
we could connect on LinkedIn. It's the same way. Yeah, I think so too. And I love the fact that with LinkedIn, you also have the ability to use your voice, you know, within the app. And I use it myself. And it actually makes sense because I feel like at some point when you start creating content and your voice becomes part of the process, it changes the dynamics instead of just looking at a picture. Oh, definitely. Use use that function. And now there's video. It's starting to launch with, um, I think, their main users. So I, I have video, for instance, now. I can have, we could have had this call on video on LinkedIn. So you can have one-to-one. It's not one-to-many yet, but one-to-one video calls are possible now, even with, on LinkedIn Messenger. So more and more people will receive that feature as we roll along. So definitely use the sound function. Use the, when you get video, you can always turn on the video and say hi. Mostly people want to know that you're a real person and that you're not a robot right. um, and that you're and don't ever pitch to someone. You know, when you reach out to them, I, I get so many pitches and people who haven't even looked at my profile. I cannot tell you how many people want to improve my LinkedIn profile. I'm like, you didn't even look, right. you didn't even look at my headline. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I see those things and I'm like, oh, where did you guys come from? You know, like I didn't ask you, I didn't text you, I didn't message you but you still want to be here. And that shows that you have an account that stands out. I don't know if it does that, but it's certainly <laughs> an account that's been targeted, right? Right. <laughs> For random selling of various things. I think a lot of um, a lot of financial advisors have found themselves sort of blocked by everyone just by having financial advisor. Right. Because they, they've they been some of the, the worst offenders of, of this. and um, Or Bitcoin traders or stuff like that. You just... Don't do that. It's creepy, man. It is creepy. It's like sneaking up and sliding to someone's DM trying to get their number without figuring out their name, you know? not to do and you know for for guys who are messaging women can you please make sure you keep it really professional really really professional and my way of my advice is if you wouldn't say it to the rock you shouldn't be saying it to anyone else on any platform so i love that do not be creepy <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. it's true because you're right if you think about it some ladies get hit on on linkedin and they have such a business profile and you wonder, where did you see the likeness to start a conversation like this? They don't, nobody's waiting. For, I don't think these, the people who do this, I don't think they're waiting for an invitation. I think it's just a, I wouldn't take any of this personally. It's an automatic block for me. I have a very liberal <laughs> blocking policy um, and I recommend everyone have that. Listen, anyone who's showing up in that way, you can just take them that's how they're going to continue. So go ahead and block them. It's not going to cost you anything. Right. <laughs> exactly. I love LinkedIn and definitely this podcast and this episode is going to be sent to LinkedIn so you guys can be able to watch it. I know it's exclusively for us in the network, but I know that for sure you're going to be able to get this from the group and also into LinkedIn and of course on the podcast because if you're listening to this and you're on LinkedIn, you're going to need this information because you don't hear this every day. And Lavinia is here just to give us this amazing gems that we need to make sure that we can optimize our profiles correctly and stand out with the voice that God has given us. So it's so amazing to be here and connect with you. I know LinkedIn is a huge topic for people. And one of the things I hear also on Clubhouse 
is how people should distinguish their profiles when it comes to having a creator account or a business profile account for job search. So how does someone use their LinkedIn if they're trying to do both or either? Okay, so there's a lot of debate right now as to whether creator mode works because creator mode allows you to do two big things. Okay, The first, it allows people to follow you without connecting with you because those are the two ways in which you can uh, see people's um, content and their connections. So if you connect with someone, you can see their connections. They become what is their first degree connection. It means it's a direct connection. You can then message them without using any of your credits for in-mail. You can have normal conversations with them. So this is a connection and you can usually see their connections. Um, if someone just follows you, then they can only see your content. So your content might feed into their feed. Uh, they don't become your connection. They can't send you in-mail. Yeah. So with creator mode, what becomes the default is follow instead of connect. But I've had follow as my default for some time. I am, I, I didn't do that for any particular reason, except that it was easier for people, especially since I was speaking at very large events, people would feel less intimidated to, to follow me than to connect with me. So because I knew I was dealing with a lot of quite shy people, um, I thought, okay, if I put it as follow, and it was true, a lot more people who came to see me speak on stages would follow me rather than connect with me because it was just less intimidating for many people. So I put that already as my default. So there's no, I don't think there's a huge difference unless you're trying to get to 500 plus. If you haven't made it to 500 plus, you have a relatively new account, and you haven't made it to 500 plus, keep your account as connection first. You do need to get to 500 plus. Once you get to 500 plus, your account starts to be much more, um, it starts to be treated as a real account. Until then, you're kind of like a probation account. You, know? mm. uh, you don't get, your, your, your content doesn't feed out as much. Um, you don't get fed out to other people either as much. So get to 500 plus. After that, if you swap to follow first, it's okay. It's no big deal. The second thing that content creator mode allows you to do is to name five hashtags that you write about more, which means that in principle, your content should feed out to those people who are following the, those five hashtags. Now that's not worked very well. So most LinkedIn experts have decided that uh, creator mode is a disaster. It will not help your content. It will not help your engagement. So if you are new to it and you don't have content creator mode turned on, um, it's, there's no harm in not turning it on. That's okay. But it does give you one extra feature and this is the third feature that's kind of nice. Um, if, if you are someone who um, is good at speaking into the camera, content creator mode also allows you to have a video cover story, which means, in, you know, in the little circle, it's your face. Um, you can record in portrait uh, a 10 or 20 second, I forget, 10, 20 second video of you introducing yourself. And that's a really nice feature. I like that very much. I mean, I go into exploring new people and I can see them actually speaking to me. It makes such a world of difference. So. Uh, if you don't need any of that, then keep content creator turned off because it does seem to improve your uh, your engagement rate when you have it turned off. I have mine turned on. I'm not fussed about, you know, 5% engagement more or less makes no difference to someone like me or with my, with my level of establishment, if you like, in LinkedIn. I don't need that. So I'm just going to leave it on and see if LinkedIn fixes their algorithm on that front. Nice. I like that. Because when you use LinkedIn Creator Mode, it changes your experience. Even I think your your dashboard, not even your dashboard, your profile kind of changes in a way. 
but it changes how people actually see you. Another good thing I love about LinkedIn is LinkedIn recommendations versus endorsements. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure. So um, if you're a job seeker, the skills section is one of the absolutely most important parts of your LinkedIn profile. You must, you have up to 50 um, skills that you can list there. You should try to use as many of those as you can and use variations of the words. And how you find out what words to use is go out on LinkedIn jobs and look for those jobs that you would apply for. You like all your dream jobs with all your dream companies, look for those dream jobs and look for one level higher than your dream job as well. Get those um, job descriptions and start looking for skills. All the skills that you have that are matched to those job descriptions that you found, your dream job descriptions, make sure they're on your profile. Don't lie. People don't lie. Please don't lie. But if you have those skills and you can somehow prove those skills, please put them in. And then once you've made your list, what you want to do is try and get endorsements. So make sure endorsements are turned on. And if people who know who uh, have worked with you um, endorse you, and so long as you get even one endorsement against those skills, you will turn up. So the job, um, so people who are looking um, for um, for recruits, so, so recruiters, there's a word for that. It's called recruiters. Recruiters see in their dashboard for LinkedIn, they see this, how many skills are matched to the jobs. And that's one of the most important things that they see. So please make sure that you have the skills necessary for the job that you're applying for. This is crucial for job, for job seekers. For everyone else, uh, those are the words that can be used to search for you for. So if you're a speaker like me, then the word speaker should be there. So if you if you do podcasts, podcasts should probably be one of them. Um, so make sure whatever it is you're doing, the keywords are put in your skill section. Now, it doesn't skills and endorsements are great, particularly for job seekers, but nothing has as much weight as the recommendations section. So the recommendations section is what really sets an, an account apart. Once you have at least three recommendations, you start showing up as someone who is a real person. This is the whole purpose of LinkedIn, is to establish you as a real person. The more people can say, I know this person in real life and this is what they do, the better for you. So the recommendations section, you should have at least three. Okay, so I know many people are starting out who are listening to this or who might watch this. It's okay if you don't have hundreds. I understand it's not easy to ask for and it's not easy to get. It's okay, you'll work it out. But what your goal is, start with three. Just get three and make sure you give five. Mm. That's the goal. You want to give more than you receive always with recommendations. When I look at someone with hundreds and hundreds of recommendations and I see how many they've given and they've given like five, I know this is a selfish person. This is a person right. all about me, 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 and uh, doesn't, doesn't understand the quid pro quo that's expected in these situations. So make sure you're giving as much as you get and more than you get where possible. Um, so that's what I recommend. And when you ask people to recommend you, please tell them what you want them to say. It's really difficult for someone to recommend. Even though I want to recommend you, I have no idea what to focus on. I, I might not know some parts of your professional career, but I want to know what I can speak to. So if you want people to focus on your organizational skills, please tell them, you know, or could you um, specifically mention my organizational skills, which, um, which were used like when, when we were working on this project together? 
Yeah. So give them some tips on how to recommend you. It's so helpful. makes it so much easier for the person who is having to write the recommendation. And I always ask people to give people an idea of the deadline. Otherwise, it gets put on the never, never list of things to do. So I also, if you wouldn't mind giving it to me by next Friday, I'd be ever so grateful. Um, for whatever reason, you can give them a reason or not. I'm going to apply for a job and that would be so great. I'm pitching for a new client and it'd be so great if you could whatever way you can and but don't harass them just give them a little bit of a deadline so they put something into their diary to help you out i love that now i'm even thinking if somebody gives you a linkedin recommendation and let me put it this way hypothetically speaking person a gets three linkedin recommendations and person b gets three resume recommendations or referrals and they're applying for the same job who's likely to get more and why it's not a biased question but <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I know I know I know I'm just trying to see if I can stretch it <laughs> I have no idea look it's really dependent as you well know when people are hiring they have they decide their criteria right and then it depends how you fit into that criteria what they wait but it doesn't it always helps you to have these recommendations on because you are fed out. So when um, in the recruiter view of LinkedIn, where people apply for jobs, there are a number of things they see and they can they can customize, of course, their dashboard. But the things that often they, they look at is what, how many percent, what's the percentage of match between the skills that they are looking for and the skills that the candidates have. The other thing they, that shows up for many people is how, how many recommendations that person might have. Um, so it's helpful. I, I met a, a fantastic uh, professor from Nigeria, and um, he was saying that he got so tired of writing personalized recommendations and, and you know and writing for people like as in, on his computer, obviously. But he had to write one every time, and he just made all his students get LinkedIn accounts. And he said, "I will only write recommendations for people with LinkedIn accounts, and I will write it for you on LinkedIn." And he would do this, and his students had the, one of the highest rates of, uh, of job security, who uh, managed to secure jobs rather, um, of his entire school because he had insisted that his class do this. And I think it's a very good idea that you, you can start very early on, even when you're still at university, get your professors, the ones who are online to start recommending you, get your fellow students, especially if you've done any volunteer work at university, get them to do it for you. Um, so, so anyone and everyone who has experience of you. So I, I ask clients often um, to, if they if they had a good experience, I send them a link. I tend not to harass anybody, but you know, I, I just ask them for a link, and I, I always ask them, could you focus on this one skill, mm. and um, and then I get what I hopefully need. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's really really good. Because now I'm thinking, if you are getting those kind of recommendations, then it makes a lot of sense for the person who is looking for you when they're looking for something about you. And I don't know why schools are not applying this. There's LinkedIn learning. And I know that's something I had the opportunity to do. I think it was called something else before LinkedIn learning bought the company. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, Linda. Yeah, it, had, it had a different name. Linda. It was Linda.com. Linda, yes. Yes, yeah, right. 
I did some lynda.com certificates when I was still at the college and I and still have it on my LinkedIn till today which was great you know but because I was at the school we they waived the price for the students so we were able to literally go through it and I took advantage and I did some classes and it was really good and now I'm seeing it but I don't think a lot of students or college you know students are I mean that was then for me but I don't see them do it proactively like they should you know and it's it's worrying yeah it's a shame it's it's a wasted opportunity so linkedin learning is available for organizations so even if you're a sort of a medium-sized or smaller company and you don't have a training program um for your um for your recruits it's a great thing to buy a subscription to to linkedin learning they, they are corporate programs and they're individual programs you, you know, and, and have and set a set a target for everyone. You know, ask them to say what are they going to learn this month, and then get them to 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 show you that they've done it. It's it's a fantastic way to continually grow your uh, the, the skills of your workforce, even without putting any very much money into training. You don't have to have your own training program or anything. All of it's there. It's all on LinkedIn Learning, and it's all vetted trainers, like some of the best trainers in the world. Some of them professors from. Ivy League universities, some of them who are some of the best trainers in the in the business. They're all available online for one price. It's fantastic. I love it. I love LinkedIn Learning. Yeah, I think I recommend everyone to try it out because it's it's a need. Once you get that certificate, even though it's not going to boost anything, it shows that you're active. It shows that you you care about what they're doing with their digital assets. So it helps a lot. And lastly, I would love to know about, and I save this for the end. LinkedIn ads. I've ran an ad before, but I don't think I ran it successfully because I didn't know what I was doing. This was a couple of years ago, not now, but I never did it again because I didn't need the LinkedIn live. I'm not live, the LinkedIn ads because I was already growing organically. But for someone who is using LinkedIn ads, do they need it and how can they use it best? The answer is it kind of depends. So LinkedIn, so of all the social platforms, I think LinkedIn ads is the most expensive. You probably know more than I do on this because you probably run ads on other platforms. But my understanding is LinkedIn ads is some of the most expensive in the business mm. because you can target. Yeah? But no one is on LinkedIn waiting to be sold to. So you want to make sure that you're, if you do run an ad on LinkedIn, that it is an ad that really not just sells, but it adds value to the person. So I think that there's a real art to using it, um, to using ads on LinkedIn. And I am not the biggest fan because you can still have a lot of organic growth on LinkedIn. You can still do this for free. So I would recommend, and I do recommend to most of my clients to go for organic growth first. Most people just need the authority of being on LinkedIn. I think, honestly, even though I LinkedIn is my preferred platform, I think if you're going to run ads, I'm not sure LinkedIn is the place to do it. I think if you're a professional services business like a law firm, where you cannot advertise um, in the normal way, then LinkedIn is like magic for you, right? If you have statutory limitations to how you can advertise um like you, you can't out advertise like Kellogg's, right? So right. for those organizations that have statutory limitations on how they promote themselves, then I think for them, LinkedIn ads is magic. But if you have a business that doesn't have such limitations, I think they're better investments for you. Okay. Okay. 
this has been a master class for LinkedIn. And I'm so glad you're able to be here, Lavinia, and just show us everything that we need to know because those little things add up and I'm sure people can definitely take notes and I'm glad that you're able to be here today. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Favor. So Favor and I run this, uh, we know each other from Clubhouse. Yeah. And it's been so much fun to, to, to do those rooms together. And I always learn so much from you. So I'm delighted to be able to share with uh, with your audience on your podcast and in your life. This is fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Anytime. It's a pleasure having you. And definitely we're going to bring you here again so that you can enlighten us and just tell us how it's been because we love the stories that we hear and we love to follow up to make sure that you're okay as well. Oh, thank you so much. That's such a delight. I'm not sure if I'll be allowed back onto LinkedIn now that I've told people not to advertise on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's amazing. It's going to be okay. If there's any way that anybody can reach out to you, I know on LinkedIn they can find if they look for you, but what are the options they have if they want to connect with you? Of course, I'm on um, almost every social media platform. My name is always Lavinia Tanapathy. Um, and if you, on LinkedIn, if you follow my hashtag LinkedIn Lavinia, um, you will get all my tips and tricks on how to use LinkedIn as well as personal branding for your own business, for your own brand. Uh, yeah, I'm also on Instagram. I'm I'm everywhere. I'm on Twitter. I, I've just started to be on Twitter even. Hey, <laughs> welcome to the Twitter gang. <laughs> Uh, amazing thank you so much once again Lavinia and I'm sure the amazing audience have been able to listen watch and just binge so they can take notes and take action so thank you so much for giving them something to do and giving them some clarity on questions they probably didn't even know they needed answered you're my pleasure really my pleasure uh, favor anything for you anytime thank you wishing you a wonderful wonderful day ahead you too. Bye, and to you too.